It is good to be here with you, and uh, this is only my second time in the church, first time preaching here. I've been with your teens a couple years ago, but uh, man, my heart is with the local church, and I uh, understand you've been, as you're in this process, going through this process together, we're praying for you, and understand that uh, God obviously has, has a man for you. All right, is that PowerPoint? Yes, is there slides up there and all that good stuff? There it is. Okay, and is this me right here? It is awesome. This all works. Good for you guys. All right. I was at the Iowa State Fair. How many guys go to the Iowa State Fair? I see those hands. Oh, three of us. Good. So this will be great. Uh, we go to the Iowa State Fair. Okay. We grew up, I grew up in Bondurant on an acreage on a farm just outside of Bondurant, Iowa, up in the metro area. So it was like a pilgrimage every year. You know, we went to the State Fair with grandma and grandpa and uh, aunts and uncles, there would be 40 of us or so that would kind of migrate over to the state fair and walk through there, but uh, Iowa State Patrol is usually there with a the booth, right? And they give away uh, Iowa State Patrol stickers, all right? These little, these little things like this right here, and I can't remember which one of our kids it was, but uh, one of those little, uh, our guys, one of our perfect kids, we went that route. It's been a huge blessing to have perfect children, and uh, one of our kids was with us and was walking through the line. And, and you, know, you know, God bless our guys that are serving in that capacity. And big smile, he got the big brim hat. And he says, hey, buddy, would you like one of these Iowa State Patrol stickers? And my, I'm pretty sure it was Hayden, actually, or Hudson. And he looks at him and he says, we don't root for Iowa State. <laughs> We're a Hawkeye family. It was almost like this badge of honor, like, I can't believe this bozo would try and give me an Iowa State. And I said, nobody, he's, he's here to protect us. Take it from the nice man with the gun. Take the sticker, you know. <laughs> let's, all, let's all keep going in line. But one of the things that my kids have picked up on from us is that we are Iowa Hawkeye fans, amongst other things. We enjoy the outdoors. We like to hunt. We like to fish. We enjoy uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, maybe you're a Cyclone fan. Maybe you're a Vikings fan. We root for the Bears, all that stuff that really. It uh, doesn't matter in light of eternity, but you know that some of those things we pass on our interests, our hobbies, our likes to who? Our kids. And, and as a dad, you know, it is fun on Sunday afternoons, especially now that the Bears are halfway decent, to watch a Bears game and, and have your kids actually rooting with you. Uh, when, when deer season comes around, and even my daughter, Avalyn, wants to go out and, and sit in a deer stand uh, fishing. Whatever it might be, those are fun things to enjoy with our kids and to pass those interests on. There's nothing wrong with that. But how sad would it be if we got to the end of our life just like King David did in 1 Kings chapter 2 when he comes to the end of his life and he, he pulls Solomon right up next to him and he says, Solomon, I'm going the way of all the earth. So make sure that you enjoy hunting and fishing and this and that. That's not what Solomon says. He says, therefore, show yourself a man. And you obey the law, statues, the, task, the testimonies of the Lord, so then you might be what? Successful wherever you go. And when it comes to us, there's one thing that we have to pass on that's far more important than our hobbies and our interests, and that's a love of God. That's a passion for Christ. It's, it's, a, it's an appreciation for the local church. It's things that are eternal. And God has placed that mantle of responsibility uh, on, on husbands and men for sure, but also when it comes to the local church and it comes to you investing in that next generation, we have to pass on the eternal truths of Scripture. And wouldn't it be a shame if when graduation came around and everybody was giving their testimonies and, and all of our young adults were going on their way and, 
and they were testifying to the things that, that they loved and this and that and the other and what they were looking for to pursue. There was not one interest, of, one mention of anything that mattered. That would be tragic. I hope you can agree with that this morning. And so we're going to be in Psalm 78 actually this morning and I appreciate the reading of Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is probably the oldest piece of scripture that we have from Moses, right? Help us to arrive at a heart of wisdom and we want to do that this morning. We want to arrive at a heart of wisdom and one of the things that we'll know, how we'll know, one of the fruits of the fact that we have arrived indeed at a heart of wisdom is that we will pass on the truths, the eternal truths of Scripture to the next generation. And and husbands, we have to be intentional about this. This doesn't just happen with our wives and our kids. And it doesn't just happen as a local church. There has to be some intentionality to how we are going to creatively pass on the truths of God's Word to those that are are underneath us. And and ladies and, and gentlemen, we should have people that we are investing in. As Paul had Timothy, we should have somebody in our lives as well, but as you open up to Psalm 78, this is an historical psalm. You know this already, but the book of Psalms is broken up into five smaller books, and this psalm happens to kick off the third book of Psalm, and it's not that they were all, it's just as they were were gathered together, these different books are, are recorded, and it's a historical psalm. It's quoted in Matthew 13. It's a psalm of Asaph. Asaph was David's worship leader, and he's also called a prophet. The entire purpose of this psalm is to instruct the coming generation against infidelity by the clear lessons of history. And the Old Testament is also inspired and applicable. And they're written down, these things were written down for whose instruction? For our instruction, for my instruction, for your instruction. And so as we look at Psalm 78, understand that it's just inspired inspired today as the day and it was written by Asaph. And so the Many of those eternal truths pass on to us today and it's worth considering the fact that what type of priority is this in my life, passing on the truths, the things that I say I believe, the things that I say are super important to me, why we're here on a Sunday. You know, you drive through Mount Pleasant, I'm sure it's not unique just to Ankeny, Iowa. You drive through Ankeny and what's happening on a Sunday? Everything but this, right? You can do anything you want. I'm old, I'm old, I just turned 40, so I've probably got, you know, a month left, but I can remember, can you guys remember something on Sunday, nothing was open, right? And, and you would take your church bulletin and go to restaurants and they would say, hey, if you bring your church bulletin, we'll give you a 10% discount or whatever. I mean, all these silly things that no one cares about now, but uh, it's amazing how, how times have changed, right? And there's been a huge shift in our culture. And if you go by the athletic fields and the soccer fields in Ankeny on a Sunday morning, there will be thousands of people there. Because this type of, of subject matter, the, the, the idea of investment, spiritual investment, the idea of a commitment to a local church has been punted on and exchanged for something that doesn't have near the value. And so this morning we have to consider, and by the way, you don't know me super well, this is not a guilt trip, it's a reality check. We can't be, guilt doesn't change people, grace does, we can be letting grace and the Spirit of God work. God to empower us to do the will of God for his glory but this is not some railing guilt trip that doesn't do anything but it is a reality check to see how my priorities are lining up with what scripture says is actually really really important and so now with a little bit of context as we dive into Psalm 78 and we're just going to be looking at the few verses here this morning verses 1 through 8 verses 9 through 16 are going to talk about the infidelity of the people And uh, as you go on, uh, it's going to talk about from going from Egypt 
uh, over to the promised land and all those different things. But before we can get there, we have to talk about the first eight verses here about telling to the coming generation and why is it so important to pass on? Well, as you're getting ready to go into the promised land, we have to have these truths go with us. And so in Psalm 78, verse 1, it says this, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open up my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them. We will not hide them from their children, but we will tell them and show them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. You see, he established a testimony in Jacob and he appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children not even born, and arise to tell them to their kids. Verse 7, so that they should set their individual personalized hope in God. And not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, that they would not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And so as we look around here in Psalm 78, Egypt to the wilderness, wilderness to the promised land, but before we get there, we got to break down these first eight verses. And so the first four verses here that we're going to look at this morning in Psalm 78 is simply the call. It's call, it's this cry that goes out for attention, and you can imagine Asaph being around the tabernacle, and he says, uh, lean forward here, I got something important to say, give ear to my teaching, this general instruction that he's about to give from the word. And he says this, he's going to give it to them in a parable. I'm going to open my mouth in a parable. What, what is a parable? We understand in New Testament terms, what a parable is, para is to throw alongside of, balen is to throw. It's the placing of one incident or story alongside something else so that we can learn by comparison. So what's happening here? What's the parable here in Psalm 78? It's the past history of Israel set alongside the present so that those living today might not repeat the people's past sins. That's all it is. And he says, I'm, I'm going to tell you this parable. I'm going to utter Dark sayings from old, that utters this idea of rushing waters, a wadi. In other words, he has something that's powerful to say. I want you to listen because this should be uh, very crucial to what you're trying to accomplish, as, as this, especially in the history here, as we're walking through and marching on to the promised land. This carries weight. It's, it's powerful. This parable should, uh, should have influence on what you're trying to accomplish. And he says, here's, here's what it is. It's things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. So he goes on to this, this content. Here, here it is. Things that we have heard from our fathers, we will not hide, but we will tell. What are these things? They're basic spiritual life lessons that we're to be taught diligently. That's what things are that our fathers have told us. And he says, these basic spiritual life lessons, we're not going to hide them from our kids, but we are going to tell them to the coming generation, period. Anybody know who that is? That'd be major brownie points this morning, but you never know. We'll put it out there. Any baseball fans? That is Bob Feller. Anybody know who Bob Feller is? Good. Another three of us. We're, we're on a roll here this morning. Bob Feller was a pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, but he's down, just down the road. He's from Van Meter, Iowa. They called him the heater from Van Meter. 
the heater from Van Meter, Iowa. His name was Bob Feller. Let me tell you a little bit about Bob Feller. This is fascinating, by the way. He exploded in 1936 at 17 years old. He made his major league debut. So 17-year-old kid. He vaulted in the headlines when he struck out eight St. Louis Cardinals. No surprise there, right? In three innings during a July 1936 exhibition. For an encore, he struck out 15 batters and pitching the Indians to victory over the St. Louis Browns. In September, he blazed his 108-mile fastball past the field at 17, past the Philadelphia Athletics to strike out 17 batters. They called him Rapper Robert Feller and besides Dizzy Dean as co-holder of the Major League strikeout record. His name was on the tongues of millions of fans, but then as he was on his way to sign his first major contract, something happened, Pearl Harbor, a few years later, and he foregoed some of the, what had been the most productive years of his major league career to serve on the USS Alabama. He would cross the equator 28 times during World War II. And now he's passed away, but this is when he was 88 years old. This uh, article is written in this interview is given over at the, his, he has a little museum over in Van Meter, and so he's kind of recalling his life events and, and what's had the biggest influence on you. You can imagine at 88, World War II, Major League, he's Hall of Famer, he's all, 17 years old playing in the Major Leagues. All these different memories would come flooding back to his mind, and he says, if you could relive any of those things, if you could do any of these things and just have five minutes is the question, and go back in time, what, what is it that you would do? And here's what he says. He says this, without hesitation, if you could relive one of the great, many great moments of your life, which would it be? And here's what he says, playing catch with my dad between the red barn and the house for just five minutes. Here's the thing. Dads, I don't think we understand the influence that we have on our kids. Grandpas, moms, wives, grandmas, Sunday school teachers, youth pastors, pastors, faithful people of the church, I don't think we understand the influence that we have on that next generation. And by just taking a few moments of our time, and who is it? He says this, we're not going to hide them from our kids. Who's told them that our fathers, I understand he's talking about spiritual fathers, their ancestors, forefathers, but there's an obvious application to us as well to not hide them from our kids. And in verse five again, he says, he's commanded our fathers to teach them to their children. There's a reason our kids cheer for the same teams. There's a reason a lots of times our kids take up the same hobbies. There's a reason lots of times our kids have the same mannerisms, do things. Why? Because we have a huge amount of influence with them. And we can use that influence to be intentional about the things that are important. And so even if God, I'm telling you, even if God led our kids to do, our kids collectively to do whatever it is, they will remember the moments. They will remember the times around the dinner table. They will remember the times you shared truth with them. They will remember all the different opportunities that we took. It doesn't mean there has to be six hours of family devotions every day scheduled from 6 p.m. to midnight. That's ridiculous. It does mean this, though, that we should be taking advantage of those teachable moments when we're in the car. When a word pops on the TV that we would not repeat in our home out of nowhere. When something pops up on the TV screen, when there's an opportunity to interject scriptural truth and it, it seamlessly into a life event, whatever it is, when, when someone's called home and God's sovereignty in your family, when, when it's uh, 
we don't know, or you don't know how you're going to pay for this bill, or hey, the, the air conditioner goes out, or hey, the car breaks down, and it's an opportunity to point our kids to God's faithfulness and say, see how good God is, even in the midst of this, how he always meets our needs, and look at this, and whatever it might be, those moments will be remembered. And so we have to be intentional. And so the question is, am I being intentional as a dad, but also just as a, as a faithful person at Calvary Baptist Church with these teachable moments because we cannot hide them, we have to pass them on. What is it that we're passing on? I'm glad you asked. He goes on. What are we not hiding from our kids? What are we telling to the next generation? It's these glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that who has done? That he has done. Works of God. This is, this is to put this all in the nutshell, here's what he's talking about. Works of God that are beyond the capacity of man to do. That's it. This is what he's talking about. In other words, you know what we call them sometimes? It's a, that's a God thing. There's no other explanation. I, at our, our church up in Ankeny, our, our pastor that founded the church when we were starting and God was working and doing some different things, and every now and then he would say, Mark, you better save room for God to do what only God can do. It's good to not be able to explain everything, just like the testimony we just heard this morning, right? There's no human explanation for that. That's great for us to take the time to look at our kids and say, there is no human explanation for that because there is no human explanation for that. God is the only one that can orchestrate that, that can do that, that can work in this way. And so see, it's not just a crazy mom and dad thing. It's God revealed in his word, but also working in this world. And we take time and we step back and we say, see, these are the works of God that are beyond the capacity of mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and Calvary Baptist Church to do. And you look at your kids and you say, isn't God awesome? But we can also look at our kids during the tragic times and say, isn't God awesome? And the good times and the bad, but we have to pass on the works of God that are beyond the capacity of man to do intentionally. Even those little things, my wife's really good at this, the little things, the little finds at the store, the sales, whatever it might be to point our kids to the faithfulness of God. He established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law as well. And I want to take just two seconds here. What, what is the testimony? The testimony is reminders of what we should do and where we have failed to do it. The law, it's the revealed word of God up until that time, not just the Ten Commandments. Having learned it themselves, it's now time to teach it, to pass it on to faithful men. This is just Deuteronomy 6 in action right here, right? That's what we're talking about. He's established this testimony, he's appointed a law, and now he's chosen us to teach those to the next generation. And it starts where? It starts in the home. It's not your pastoral staff's responsibility for you to be responsible with these truths in the home. They're going to encourage you, they're going to equip you, but then eventually we're all individually responsible to faithfully handle these truths of God in our everyday life situations. But I'm telling you, when we do, and I, man, I wish I was more consistent with this, okay. But when we do, it's amazing the impact that that can make. You know, I say I work at a college and surrounded by college kids who have bills, right? And they have issues of their own life and we have these things called works of God chapel. And I'm telling you, you'll have 20 or 30 kids lined up to say, this is something that happened that only God could do. I had no idea how I was going to do this. This is where we're going to do that. And that makes a difference. It's good for us to testify. Psalm 100, 101, 2, 3, 4. You go on through there. It's good for us to tell and to share with each other as well what God's doing. 
But who has he chosen? He's chosen us to pass on truth. There's lots of things we could pass on. There's lots of things that could be emphasized, but what he wants us to emphasize is actually truth. Emphasizing truth. Uh, I, like I said, I love baseball. Maybe you like to cook, whatever it might be, but uh, take advantage of those teachable moments to disciple your kids. I, I speak at camps, usually in the summers, and I was, it's been four or five years, I was at a camp in, in Illinois, and D.L. Moody is, has lots of quotes that are very quotable, but uh, one of those is, character is who you are in the dark. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's not the, the plastic facade sometimes I put on on a Sunday or that you put on or trying to fake it, you know, fake it till you make it in life and everything's fine and wonderful and all that stuff. So I use this quote at camp, character is who you are in the dark. This is about five or six years ago. The only problem with that is that's not what D.L. Moody said. He said, character is what you are in the dark. Doesn't change the meaning, right? Not a big deal. Same meaning, I didn't do it intentionally. But character is what you are in the dark. I got a call uh, about a week after I'd been at this camp, and it was like, hey, Pastor Mark, this is so-and-so. I met you at this camp, and, and I love that quote. I loved that quote so much. He sent me a picture of his arm, and he had this, I kid you not, tattooed on his arm. The problem is, is he had the wrong quote tattooed on his arm. Just by one word? Hey, what's one word in light of eternity, right? I felt so bad. So I told him, hey, this is my wife's fault, you know? No, I did not tell him that. <laughs> I did not have the heart. So he was all excited about this quote and, man, this is great. And then I literally, the next thing I get is a text of a picture of his arm, like still red, with character is who you are in the dark, D.O. Moody. At least he didn't say Mark Davis, summer 2015, you know, or something like that. You know what that hammered home to me, though? They are always watching and they are always listening. So we had better be careful that what I'm putting on display is accurate and that what I'm emphasizing is truth, right? And when I'm wrong, and I'm sure I'm the only parent in here or husband who has ever made a mistake, but when I make those mistakes, I think it's one or two in the last 16 years, uh, when I make all those hundreds of mistakes, right, that we do daily, What's just as important as doing the right thing, making it wrong, or making it right when I do the wrong thing. Whoa, time out. Speaking of bad quotes, don't, this isn't being recorded right. Making it wrong is making that wrong right and going to them and saying, hey, you know what? We've, re, or we've, we've wrongly emphasized this, or it's, we haven't been talking about the testimonies and the statutes and things that are true. We've been emphasizing this too much, and it's been a reflection in our lives, or hey, it's been way too long since we've had a practical time around the word as a family, or hey, you know what, dad's been a grump, or whatever it might be, they need to see a little dose of humility as we emphasize truth. So how do we emphasize truth? How, how do you emphasize truth in your, in your home? I, I, I'm just telling you, as I, my heart breaks, as, as we, you can read the statistics, but then you see it, and maybe you've seen it here at Calvary Baptist too, but as kids graduate uh, from church they tend to not be as active in their local church anymore and and we face this at community baptist as well just like you do down here in mount pleasant and i, and I think one way we can emphasize truth okay this is the only rabbit trail of the morning is by emphasizing the local church right one way we can emphasize truth is by emphasizing God's chosen program for today, the local church, and you have lots of opportunities and options of what to do with your Sunday. 
correct? So would it make much sense for me to say, here's the testimonies, here's, look at what God, this is only God, only God could do this, and look at these things, kids, and Hayden, and Hudson, and Avalon, and Heston, isn't God awesome, and he's so awesome that this Sunday we're going to go do this over here. And, and we're going to go, and we're going to be involved with this activity or whatever, and so it stinks. We're not going to be in the local church for the next 32 weeks, but God's good. God's great. Would that make much sense? And I'm just telling you, because I've been around college students and teens, this has been what I do for almost 20 years. One of the biggest mistakes we make is we emphasize truth, but when it comes to practical implementation and emphasizing God's program for today. And be, again, this isn't, you don't know me, this is not a guilt trip, it's just a reality check, is we had better live it out here in the context of God's local church as well. And I think one of the huge reasons, and I hear it all the time, well, I just never went to church. My parents never made a thing. I, did, I had XYZ activity, you fill in the blank, and so we just weren't able to go to church on Sundays. Well, then why would we expect them to live out what we're gonna read about here? Here's the whole point. There's a call. Here's the content, talking to them about the things that only God can do, the truths of God's word. And verse six, as we read down here, that the next generation might know them, even the children unborn. Think about this. Man, we just heard a testimony, and you guys have been married for how many years? 70 years? They told me they got married and they were four years old. That is awesome. <laughs> 70 years of marriage. 70 years of marriage. And there are people in here with all different colored hair, right? From white to gray to no hair to whatever. We can all have an influence on kids that we will never meet. That's what Asaph is saying here. Your testimony, D.L. Moody. You think of all these big names, all right? But there had to be somebody that led D.L. Moody to the Lord. There was somebody that led Charles Haddon Spurgeon to the Lord. There's, you can have an impact on great grandkids that you will never ever meet. Isn't that, to me, that's exciting, a spiritual heritage. Not everybody in here is going to leave a million dollars for whoever it might be, and he says that the next generation might know them, even kids not born, and arise and tell them to their kids. Here's the point of all this. Why is this so important? So that they would set their individual, personalized hope. So it's their faith. It's not mom and dad. It's not grandpa and grandmas. They've seen it, right? They've seen it lived out. They've seen it implemented. And now he says the point, the result, is that we have successfully passed on this faith to the next generation. So now they're setting their hope. It's not them living vicariously because mom and dad have made them do this. And as soon as I graduate, I'm out of here, baby. Now they have their individual hope that they, isn't that your heart for your own kids? Aren't you begging God for your kids and your grandkids that God, long after I'm out of the scene and long after they're out of my house, that they would have set their hope in you and that they would be living out their hope and their faith because they've personalized it and they've put their trust in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And it wasn't just going through the motions and it wasn't just, ugh. And I know there's no guarantees, okay? That's not my point. But here's why we want to emphasize these things, to do everything we can to set our kids up for long-term spiritual success. And I hope collectively as a local church, you are burdened, not just for teenagers, but for the twos and the three-year-olds, right, that are waddling on through. And the middle schoolers, and you think, God, please use them to do awesome things for you. Because by the way, there's going to come a day when us that are 40 and 50 and 60, we're no longer here. Who is going to be the leadership of Calvary Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Iowa? Right? Obviously, we want to be reaching out. 
and sharing, but we also want to be investing in those precious resources that God has given to us. And he says, here's the point, so that they would come to the the point in their own lives where it's their hope, and they wouldn't forget the works of God in verse 7, but they would keep his commandments. And there's a a warning here as well as, as we do this with these precious kids. There's a concern. The concern, yes, the result is that they would have a personal faith. The concern is that they would not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast and whose spirit was anything but faithful to God. And so then if, if that's what we're trying to accomplish and, and, and as we're walking through this together and corporately here as a church but individually as families and it starts in the home and that responsibility, men, that's on us to, to really be engaged and intentional in this process and, and, and taking advantage of these teachable moments. Yes, there's, we want them to have their own faith but we also see what happens when we don't. We don't want them to be like those who are stubborn and rebellious, whose heart is not steadfast and whose spirit is not faithful to God. And so what do we do? I tell people all the time, I know there's no guarantees. My own immediate family is a picture of that. I grew up in a great Christian home, but you know what? There's some rebellion from the heart there from people that have chosen to walk away. Aunts and uncles, sister. But what we want to do is everything that we can to put our kids and that next generation in the best possible place to succeed long-term spiritually, period. It starts in the home. It's worked out here in the local church. And yes, there's message of things. Hey, here's a call that goes out, and I would echo that call in my own heart and for encourage you as well. But who is it then? If this is the truth and we know that God wants us to do it, who is it that you're investing in? Again, if you can pick out who this is, uh, that, that's pretty impressive, but this, this young, young man up here purchased his first stock at 11. His father owned a small brokerage. He's a millionaire at 31. It's Warren Buffett. So if you'd have taken 1000 bucks and invested with him in 1964, what would that be worth today? What would that be worth today? It'd be worth $11.6 million, just 1000 bucks. If you'd have done that in 1990, it'd still be worth $33,000 today if you'd have done it. Back in the 80s, it'd be worth $300,000 today. Not a bad investment, right? But that investment monetarily comes with a shelf life. And it's rested upon all kinds of different variables that we can't control, the economy, the markets, all those different things. But there's one investment that blows that out of the water and the returns echo on through all of eternity in a very real place called heaven. And that is the investment that you can make in the lives of those that God has sovereignly put in your life. And as we graciously, as not as we beat our kids over the head, but as we graciously and consistently speak the truth in love and pour our hearts out on a daily basis, God, why? So that they would set their hope. And so the next generation here reaching Mount Pleasant would set their hope on God. Let me just encourage you as we close out here this morning. There are lots of things vying for the attention of our kids. There are. And there's all kinds of temptations. There's all kinds of this, that, and the other, and and whatever. And it's not just a, hey, let's just pull. If I just try a little harder as a parent, right? If I just work a little harder. No, it's God's grace for sure. 
But let me just encourage my own heart, my own family, and you this morning. Let's be consistent, right? And let's be transparent. Who are you praying for and who are you intentionally investing in and your family? But here at church, Sunday school teacher, deacon, husband, wife, whoever you are here this morning, who is it that you've said that? I want to take the gifts and the abilities and the resources that God has given me and I want to pour into this person. Because you are genuinely concerned, but you also believe what they say, that there is a God who does things that only God can do. And you want to pass that vision on to those people here as well. That makes sense? God, we love you. Lord, we're so thankful for your patience in in our own lives and my life. Lord, help us. There are different passions, right? Uh, we looked at that in James 4. There's, there's passions of the heart, but there's also priorities of grace. And Lord, I pray that priority of our life would be spiritually investing, discipling, mentoring intentionally those that you have put around us, starting with our own home, our wives, our kids. Lord, I have so far to go. But Lord, I pray that uh, as, as this becomes a priority that you would bless And God, that we could look back in six months, six years, and 60 years, 70 years, whatever it might be, and just be thankful that we did not waste. Lord, that we numbered our days. And part of arriving at a heart of wisdom is that we were wise with the resources and the time and the gifts that you have given us. And we made proper investments in people. God, be with Calvary in the coming days. It's in your son's name we can pray. Amen.